calling all overwhelmed coaching and service-based entrepreneurs. Are you struggling with working in and on all the things when it comes to your business? Delegating projects to your team, struggling with apps, tools, and programs that are supposed to make you feel more productive? You are not alone. We have created this podcast for you. Tune in each week to hear how you can create structure within your business, learn when it's time to hire a team, and be the fly on the wall for the episodes when we talk with other entrepreneurs who were in this same situation, but worked through it with the help of a team. Welcome to the Business Managers Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business Managers Podcast. We are back today with another great one. And today's guest is Lisa Campion. She is the author of the number one best-selling books, The Art of Psychic Reiki and Energy Healing for Empaths. She is a psychic counselor and Reiki master teacher with over 25 years of experience. Lisa has been teaching Reiki for over 20 years and has trained over 1,000 people in Reiki and has done over 15,000 individual sessions. She is also the host of the radio show and podcast, The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. She specializes in training emerging psychics, empaths, and healers so that they can fully step into their gifts since the world needs all the healers, yeah, that it can get. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for, for joining us today. Thanks so much, Kelly and Melissa. I'm super happy to be here with you today. We are happy to have you. And that is so true. We could all use lots of healers in this in this world these days. So thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. It's a cool and funky and fun job, and um, I'm, I'm happy to be able to do it. Yeah. So for those who may not know, what is an empath, and how how can you utilize that skill in business? Well, empaths. So I like I make a distinction between the psychological term of empathy, which is like when we, we find sympathy or compassion for other people. And a lot of people have them. That's a really good thing. But an empath is a little different. An empath is like this, a psychic sponge, highly sensitive people. And if you're an empath, you literally absorb the energy, feelings, emotions, physical sensations, and sometimes even thoughts of the people that are around you. So we, we sponge it all up and we feel it as if it's our feelings. So it can be really, really confusing for empaths because you could be having like a great day and then you go to Starbucks and you sit next to somebody who's not having a great day. And all of a sudden you're like, I got a headache. And suddenly I'm like suicidally depressed. Like what's going on? You know, like, I don't know where I was happy five minutes before I came here, what the actual heck is going on here. So what happened is you absorb the energy of the person you're sitting next to and you feel their emotion sensation their whole, their whole energy, everything as if it's your feeling. And this is very confusing, upsetting, disturbing, burdensome for empaths until they get some basic training on how to manage their energy, which is something that I like to do. It's easy to do. And then all of a sudden being an empath is like a perfect MRI x-ray machine built into you so that you can be a healer because there's a great advantage to being able, if you think about it, if you're a healer, or, and, and I have a wide definition of what healer is. It's not just somebody like me was a office and a massage table and you come in, we do hands-on work. There's lots of healers in the business world. And, and once you understand what those gifts are for, 
those things become a huge advantage for you if you're a healer because let's say you're in business you can and you're an empath a sensitive you may really be good at like business development building relationships with clients understanding what the client what people need how they feel what they want without them necessarily having to tell you or explain mm. right i know that was kind of a big answer does that did that answer your question <laughs> yeah bring it all on no it's it, in all of it yeah it's incredibly helpful and for example let's use you as our case study here when did you know that you were an empath I knew way, way, way before there was any language for this, you know, stuff. So I grew up in the 60s, 70s and 80s. I was born in the 60s and grew up in 70s and 80s, just outside Boston, you know, and I spent most of my life. So I'm also a psychic. It just they don't always go together, but they often do. And I was like one of those I see dead people kids. So I was seeing things. Oh, yeah. Straight up my whole life. Like I could see energy around people. I could see spirits. I could see dead people. I could see angels. I, sh- I could see shadow spirits. I, you know that growly thing that lives under your bed? I could see what that looked like. Oh, no. Wow. It's fake, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course, I grew up in a like, super haunted house like this. You know those like big old Victorian houses? Yeah. Like, yeah, I grew up in one of those super haunted. And like Murphy's Law, put the psychic child in the haunted Right. Bedroom, what are know, the like, odds? Yeah, of course. It's going to happen that way, right? So I, I spent most of my childhood pretending to be normal like trying to figure out how to turn it off and pretending to be normal because back then if you saw angels and talked to dead uncle fred they put you in a mental hospital yeah you know what i mean no doubt, it yeah. wasn't cool and that you know i was like determined to not go down that road but it also left me feeling really strange really weird really like not like other people because i was so sensitive so i would go to my friend's house and i would i hated doing sleepovers because i would feel i would see things and there'd be like there's some creepy spirits here and then I would feel like the weird energy in their family or the things that were going on that nobody was talking about. And back then there was no language for this. There was really no language for this until the 90s when Dr. Elaine Aaron came out with this concept of high, the highly sensitive person. And she was a psychologist, so she put it in purely psychological terms. And it wasn't until maybe, I don't know, really recently, like within five five or six years that people have really started talking about what it's like to be an empath as a spiritual, it's sort of like a subset of, of humanity. It's a certain mm-hmm. percentage of humans that have this gift. Now, all of a sudden there's language and understanding of what it's for, but I always knew I was. And the moment it came to me, I was actually in college. I went to UMass Amherst, a big giant state school, you know, here in Massachusetts. And one day I was like 18. I think I was young when I went to college and I uh, went to a party. It was a Friday night and it was the same, the same scenario that I just talked about in Starbucks. Like I was feeling great. It's Friday night, college party. Like it's fun, you know? So I sat next to this guy. He was like literally crying into his beard, like worst day ever. And all of a sudden I felt terrible and it's like, I gotta go home. Like what's the matter with me? Like, why am I so crazy? Like, I have to leave to go home. Like, I'm not like a normal person. So I got up and walked out of the party and felt better. Like, and something made me turn around in that moment. I looked through the window and I saw him still sitting on the couch and I, and I felt better. And I was like, in that moment, I was like, Oh my God, it's not me. It's Mm -hmm. not me. It was feeling him, but that was like 1982. (laughs) And that was still like way before they had any kind of, language or anything for this but I knew that's the moment I knew that I was picking up other people's stuff Hmm. I guess my question would be like 
obviously you have no choice, right? This is what you're, you're called to do. Was there something else that you wanted to do, but now you're, this is it. You've been called to do this type of work. That, did I you even get a chance was, to think about that? I remember when I was six years old, I wrote in my journal that what I wanted to do when I grew up was to be a psychic and to write books. Wow. No. And, and um, that's what I do. So I that's guess incredible. I hit it. But I, I, there, there was this moment when I, I was still like 12 and I, maybe I was older than that, somewhere in my teens. And I went to see the movie Poltergeist. You know, remember that came out. And I got a lot of my early paranormal education by watching horror movies, by the way, mm. because there was no internet, there was no books on this stuff, there were no psychic teachers, no psychics on TV, there was nada. And I was like, questing, trying to figure out like what was happening for me. And then I discovered horror movies, specifically this movie, Poltergeist. And there's this moment where there's a psychic, and she's a professional psychic, her name's Zelda, right? And in the movie theater, I was like, Oh, my God, that's a thing. Like, you can do that. Like, you can be that. And I was like, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And she does this little, like, five-minute, not even, it's like a paragraph explanation of why people get stuck when they die and how to cross them over. And I was like, oh, thank you for explaining it to me. You know, like, it, it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone talk about it and explain it. And I was like, that's what sort of started my love affair with horror movies, paranormal horror movies, because I, it was so validating to me to see that other people are having these experiences. And I would pick up little nuggets of information. And some of the stuff I got was totally off the chart, crazy, not accurate, right. like wacky. And some of it was kind of real. So I, I um, kind of pieced together my paranormal education until... I was in college and that was in the early eighties. That was the dawn of the new age. And then all of a sudden people were writing about psychics and trainings came up. And I worked in the a new age bookstore in Northampton, Massachusetts. And I, I studied with some of the really great teachers back at the time who had come through there and do workshops and stuff. So I was really lucky in my spiritual education. My parents were hippies and took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10 because that's what you did when you were a hippie in 1974. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, who learns how to meditate when they're 10, you know, like, right. I, you know, and then, then they did this thing called Silva mind control when I was in high school. Now it's called the Silva method, but it was also like guides and meditation and like learning how to really harness the power of your mind and was super good training as an early psychic. And I was, also was a martial artist all, you know, through my teenage years and university years and that was a really good education on understanding energy and being grounded and, and learning how to move energy through my body and stuff like that. So I have, I've had kind of a unique and, and pretty interesting spiritual upbringing, even though a lot of it was really hard and su super school of hard knocks. So part of my thing is to try and train people the easy way, because I had to learn it all the hard way, made every mistake in the book and in the 90s, I spent like 10 years doing house clearings before there were any paranormal TV shows or anything like that. Again, n nobody was talking about it. There were no books. I, it's super dangerous. And I did it without having any idea that there was what I was doing or even that it was dangerous. You probably yeah. didn't know how to protect yourself at that and point. I knew nothing. I was all learning the hard way. And I mean, I, I got really sick. I brought spirits home with me. I like everything every mistake you can make I did it <laughs> and so my um my goal really is to 
help other people learn to develop their gifts without having to do it all the hard way like I did. Like I take mm. all the, the fruits of, of my whole, you know, 50 years of experience now of and, and bringing it, you know, bringing it to people who are emerging, who are, have their gifts emerging, who are, are going through sudden psychic openings or young people who are really born super psychic and needing to develop it. And, and that it's a really good day for me when I can help an empath or a psychic or somebody who wants to be a healer figure out how to navigate through their life and their world without the sort of pain and suffering that I went through on my own. Well, I remember the first time I met you, I, actually the only time I've met you until today, but you really helped me with a block that I had. I wish I could remember that block, but you sensed it without even like knowing that I was struggling with that issue at that time. So you are very on, on your game, which oh, well, I know you know that anyway, but. Um, thanks. I'm glad I could help. Yeah, it was incredible for me. And that was really my first experience with, I mean, I've seen psychics and I've been to them, but you just knew intuitively without me saying a peep mm -hmm. to anybody. And that's an incredible gift that you have. I learned Reiki like 20 years ago, 22 years ago now. And since I've been teaching and, and, and using Reiki, my practice, I've gotten really good at, at feeling people's energy. And I could always see people's aura. I just didn't know what I was seeing, like what all those colors meant or what was going on with it. And Reiki really helped me give a context for understanding what I was experiencing with people's energy. So that reading energy is, is easy for me to do because I've, I've done so many Reiki sessions in the past 22 years that that's probably what was happening was I was feeling what was going on in your energy and where there might have been a block. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I love Reiki. I, I am Reiki too, certified myself, but I think what you just said is it, it really is like a, a pathway to help people feel what other people are feeling. If that's what they're comfortable with, like if using Reiki as the way to understand people's energy, then that's, that's a gift yeah. too. It is. There's really three things that are opening people right now. And that's yoga, meditation and Reiki. And those things, I mean, there's lots more, but those yeah. are like kind of like the, they're really common. Lots of people do them and they, they often go together. Like people like the same type of person likes all, all of those things. Back in the day, you would have to like climb the mountain into bed and knock on the monastery door and, you know, and maybe they would teach you yoga, meditation and Reiki, or maybe they wouldn't, you know, and now we have those things on every corner, street corner. And it's, yes. which I think is great. And it's opening up people's psychic ability, their empath ability, people who have the sole mission of being a healer or feeling will feel called to those things. And it's like the door opener for a larger spiritual world for many people. So what do you think about people utilizing their healing for good right now with the stated status of the world? It's part of my my drive to train healers. Honestly, like my mission in life is to train train an army of healers to go Love out and, and do all the work that needs to be done. And I do that by teaching Reiki and teaching empaths how to manage their gifts and, and training people psychic. So I teach psychic development classes too. And I don't know, like the world needs a lot of healing right now. And however we do it, some people are, will do it through prayer, through, do it through meditation. A lot of us will do it through in the, you know, being in the moment with the people in your life you know, your friend who comes over and is crying at your kitchen table or the lady behind you in Dunkin' Donuts or, you know, like just for kind of the body that falls in front of you or the person that's in need in, in the moment. Um, and, and other people are just like 
you know, I see a tremendous amount of healers who are in corporate world right now, who are working in the world of business. And a lot of times they're like, Lisa, do I have to quit my corporate job to start a, you know, open a yoga studio or train or open a healing center? And I'm like, no, you don't have to do that. Like, <laughs> like you, your higher self, your soul, your guides put you in a place that you need to be. And, um, and I think it's super exciting that the, um, there's a huge opportunity for healers that are working in, in business and in corporations, especially in corporate, because corporations are so powerful right now. It, like we could make the argument they're more powerful than the government. They're more powerful mm. than they're like one of the powers that be. And many, many corporations are undergoing like a spiritual awakening. They're wanting to have more green practices. They're wanting more, you know, equity, diversity, inclusivity. They're wanting more humanistic kind of practices. They're waking up spiritually to the power that they have that's creating the world that we live in. And in a lot of ways, they have more influence on the what's happening in the world, right? Their Apollo policies and and there and I think that there are many, many healers who are placed in corporations right now to sort of bring the light to them, to bring this awareness, this humanist um love, compassion, you know, empathy, all the things that we stand for, um, intuition, so that we can um, maybe have a revolution, you know, in um, an evolution revolution in how we run our, our cor corporate world. So I, I think that's, I see it all the time. And it, to me, it's very heartening. It's very like hopeful. Like it makes me hopeful that as humans, we might survive. <laughs> There's a chance for us. And especially if corporate world yeah. gets on board. It's true, though, like what you said, they really we think we make the decisions we do. But depending on the decisions that they make in these corporations, whether it's for good or evil, that yeah. that dictates where we're going to shop, where we're going to eat. So we're yeah. they're making the decisions first and then we're following through with our own decisions to. Yeah. And how right we thing. use our resources, you know, yeah. like it, think about these these mega corporations, if they all go green, if they all start, you know, recycling or using sustainable, like having sustainable um, sustainability policies inside the corporations, then that changes the packaging of the products that we mm. buy. You know, like there's this trickle down effect in how they how they treat and pay and um, their, their employees has a huge you know, impacts on how, who they hire and what, how um, equitable it is and diverse it is, um, has a huge impact on, on us as humans too. So I see a lot and I see a lot of, um, like I happen to also be an entrepreneur. So I love entrepreneurship. I run my own business my entire life, never worked for anybody else my ever. And, and, uh, and I have like, you know, a team of people that work with me and all that stuff. Um, and I love entrepreneurship. I, I really do. And not that many healers do. It's a little rare because yeah. a lot of times like healers are subject matter experts. Um, they're good at their healing thing, but they are not always good. The business thing is challenging for them, but I always love the business stuff. So I find it like super creative and interesting and um, constantly learn, taking business classes myself and learning new stuff and actually teach business, business skills to healers because I, I find that um, they, they need help with that. You know, they, they need help. Tell us more. Ooh, so I have a class <laughs> called, I have a class called, you know, a mastering your, um, your business skills. I actually have a whole year long training program for people that want to be professional healers um, that I take them through the first a class on psychic development. So we get their psychic up and running. And then the next thing we do is business because you got to get clients, mm -hmm. you know, and if I want to create an army of healers, 
then training them psychic empath healer skills is only the first step because if you don't know the business stuff, you could be at home twiddling your thumbs because if you don't know how to get clients, if you don't know if that's what you want to do and you don't know how to do it, it's it's you have to complete, you know, that that process in order to really um, find out, figure out how to bring yourself out into the world. And I find so many healers, sensitive, psychic, freaky people are really shy about opening their mouth and saying what they do. You know? Hmm. Yeah. I will tell you a story. Um, the reason I made the pivot to online business management slash virtual assistant is because I couldn't wrap my head around being a healer full time. Mm-hmm. I bet that happens a lot. It does happen a lot. And it, it makes me sad because I sure you're a fantastically talented healer, you know, mm-hmm. and I've, you know, I know you're serving the world in a beautiful way with what you're doing now, you know, but we need a lot of time support and help saying what we do, like mm-hmm. just even opening your mouth. And I'm like, I'm a healer. I'm a psychic. Believe yeah. me, I know that's hard to do, you yeah. know, um, and how shy we feel about it. I mean, the first time I might published my first book has the word psychic in the title. I know. And I had to like really like. How, what's it going to be like to to so be public with something that not everybody digs, you yep. know? And I'm like, right. am I going to get haters? And are people going to think that I'm, you know, it's the devil? And yes, but you know, I, I I did a lot in my business class. I mean, I teach business skills, you know, that we need to yeah. know. Is but I also work do. It's like fifty percent what you need to do, and fifty percent the inner work that we need to do, like to work with our inner child or to work with a sabotage part of us that yeah. sabotages everything we're doing because we're afraid or to do, like figure out, like to work through the fear we have of really coming out of the closet mm-hmm. in as a, as a psychic, as a healer or whatever, because um, you know, some of us have like past life stuff. We have, you were burned at the stake for being a witch in some past life. And you have, now you have the fear of, of that whenever we stand in our power doing our life purpose, there's always people who are going to admire it and there's always people who are going to hate it Yeah, for and sure. throw some shade your way, you know, and, um, and, and we have to learn how to be strong enough on the inside of ourselves to handle what people think, which we have no control over. Exactly. You know? And I, I will say that I have continued to do the work of a healer um, and learning about this inner child thing and, you know, past lives and how those strands of, you know, ancestral, you know, yeah. things have stopped me dead in my tracks from pursuing, you know, the healing lifestyle that I really was drawn to. Um, but I know that I can use those skills in my business. Yes, you can. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, it is sad to me that I did stop doing what I really loved because I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, so I, I think it's incredibly awesome that you keep doing that because you are true to yourself. It's not easy. I'll tell you, like I, I constantly, like I'm, I think when we're in the flow of our own soul's purpose, like I, I get to stand in my comfort zone for like five minutes mm-hmm. before the next thing comes along and like really pushes me out of my comfort. I just signed my uh, book contract for a book contract for my third book. So I'm book writing right now. And uh, I like love and hate it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I like, woohoo, I got a book contract. And I'm like, oh God, now I have to write another book. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and yeah. I, I think when we're, we, when we're in the flow of our own soul, we we're just constantly challenged. Like I, the next thing I'm about to do always scares me, always mm-hmm. terrifies me. 
and that's been that way my entire life. It's never changed. So I'm just really good at taking care of that part of myself that gets freaked out about those things. So I can, I can keep moving forward, you know, with what I'm doing and, um, and then figuring, figuring that out and then bringing that to my people. Mm. I'm just about to graduate my first um, group of apprentices. So I had that whole year long <clears throat> training program. I had 14 apprentices in them. Um, they're, they're done. They're done. They're gonna, they're fully fledged, you know, and I'm so proud of them and I'm so pleased with the work they're going to do uh, out in the world. Cause that's, that's what, like, I can only impact so many people, you know, but I, if I train somebody to be fully in their mojo and is fired up and is skilled up and is, you know, feeling good about what they're doing and I put them out, they go out into the world, they're going to impact all the people that are going to do and that they are going to go on to teach and write and like, there's this like ripple effect yeah. that happens, you know, that, that um, I get really excited about seeing people stand in their, in their strongest, most powerful place so they can do, so you can do what you came here to do right. um, and impact the people you're meant to. And that leads me to like what you said, Melissa, you, you are using your intuition in business, the skills you learned as a healer and an empath and Reiki and, energy healing you are using that every day with your clients and yeah like how do people that have these skills use their intuition in business with hiring and hiring a team hiring clients working with clients because we can all trust our gut but you really do get a feel for someone if you are tapped into that part of yourself Sure. Yeah. I used to work for this organization called the YPO, Young Presidents Association, and it's CEOs and, um, and presidents of Fortune 500 companies. And they would hire me to come in, this group would hire me to come in and train their CEOs in how to use their intuition. So I have to tell you, like a lot of people that are operating at very high level are super interested in this topic. And what I found was um, that it's like a combination of using our intuitive self and our logical and analytical self so what happens you get the intuition about you get a hunch or a knowing or a nudge or you don't know why you know you just do or a feeling that's really mm. kind of how intuition works and then um it can defy our logic you know like let's say when you're coming to hiring you know that you i know we've all been in a situation where somebody looks really good on paper and your your gut's like no mm -hmm. you know and or somebody doesn't look good on paper. They're a train wreck on paper. And you meet them in person, you're like, yes. Yep. You know, like it can happen either way. And, and you know, I, I, I think we all know what happens when we don't follow our intuition. You hire the person that looks good on paper and three months down the road, you're just, it's, and it's, it's a train wreck. And your intuition's like, I told you so. You know, like, <laughs> you listen to me. Like, you know, we all yeah. had that experience, right? And, and I think the, the way to use it most powerfully is to let, your intuition guide you like lead the path and then your logical analytical mind help you implement it mm. you know so it's kind of a blend we need we don't want to throw the baby out with the bath water and be like i'm never and i've seen a lot of people sort of new agers do this i'm actually not much of a new ager um even though i'm a psychic i've seen a lot of new agers really make terrible business decisions terrible because they're totally following their intuition and they're not running it through their logical mind. Mm. Like, yes, you, you should be inspired by your intuition, but you need to have a business plan. You need yeah. to have a revenue model. <laughs> you mm -hmm. need to have like the numbers need to add up. 
in a logical way that um, when they both come together, that's sort of where we're in our sweet spot. And I, I have this, like, I've seen so many people and I call it that my angels made me do it defense. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why did you decide to do this? Like, this is a terrible idea. Why do you, well, my angels told me to do it. You know, I'm like, it works, right? You know? Um, like they did, but you didn't do the math on the business plan. <laughs> right. And, and so I think the angels made me do it is it's half the equation. Mm. You have to then yeah. run it through your logical mind and make sure that what you're doing is actually makes sense from a business perspective. Yeah. And, and for the most part, I see people not consider the financial, you know, the revenue models, the financial stuff, or really underestimate how much things cost, you know, yeah. or overspend on overhead and kind of like build it. I've seen 8 million people do the, I'm going to build a healing center from the, if I build it, they'll come model without thinking through things like where, you know, it is and, and what your overhead is. Like the logic has to come in and yes, that's a great idea, but run it through your logical mind and um, make sure that it makes sense. Yeah. Cause I don't think the angels really have a um, hand in like financial figures. Like they might lead you to the money, but they don't know like how much it's going to cost to build a facility. Right. Yeah. Or they may inspire you with the yeah. idea, you know, and it's the right idea. But then we have to use our logical mind to make sure we're making good decisions about from a business perspective yeah. that will support our, our exactly. inspirational yeah. idea mm-hmm. rather than just like ignoring that whole side of things and hoping that the angels are somehow going to pay your bills for you at the end of the day. Right. They might guide you, lead you, inspire you, but we have to kind of back it up with hard work and Yes. You know, elbow grease and, yes. you know, and logic, right? Yes. They're not just going to do it for yeah. you. Who right. pays the bill, Ariel or uh, Raphael or I Michael? I, I don't know. But I, I was like, <laughs> when I was in my 20s, I was like, it was sort of in this new age. And it was sort of like the beginning of the law of attraction was kind of going around. And I was like meditating and I was like, angels, send me $20,000, right? And they laughed at me and they were like, I was like, why are you laughing? I was like, how do I get $20,000? And they said, you have to do something that's worth $20,000. You have to make something or create something that's worth $20,000. That's how that works. And I was like, oh, really? That doesn't sound very law of attraction. But it's true. It's like you have to do something that's worth that to somebody. And then you can use the law of attraction to to pull that in you can use your your intuition and all that's all that good stuff your spiritual sense and the laws of attraction so and the other thing that i think that's wrong with the law of attraction or what's not there's like a lot of it's right but the missing piece is that nobody is taught so we're taught to visualize what we want but that's not the hard thing the hard thing is to quit imagining what you don't want so we yes. have to we have to yes. like use the power like we have to to not use the creative power of our imagination to think about what we don't want. Mm. And that's the hard thing. And that's still hard for me. Like when you get nervous, you're like, well, what if that happens? What if I can't pay my bills? And if you're like, lack, 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 you know, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Like we, we have to work through like releasing the emotional blocks about where that comes from. So we can be more in a flow. And I, I don't, I, I think we, we still haven't all figured out yet how to do that. Well, it's much easier to imagine what you can have. Right. Than to imagine what you can have. I know. Like saying, I don't have enough money for that is so much easier to say than, well, I have plenty of money for that. Right. I catch myself doing that all the time. Well, yes. like, I can't do that. But I just, every time I catch myself, I'm like, oh, I can do that. Just maybe not today. 
And then, but, and then really having a process to release the negativity we have around things, you know, we all need a daily emotional practice. It could be meditation or journaling or something. EFT like is really good too. Um, I love to, that. Yeah, I, love I do too. That. I do too. It's so good to release the like negative blocks, the blocks mm-hmm. and the negative thinking we have around getting what we want. Yeah. Are you a big journaler? I am. Yeah. I journal every day. I journal and meditate every day. And um, in the morning, I spend a lot of time in the morning getting my head in the right place. Mm-hmm. So I, if I take, even if it takes an hour to get my vibe up kind of high, then I find I can stay at that higher vibe through and I'll have like little dips through the day where I'm like, oh, what happened? like, you know, yeah. but I kind of go back there. Or if I don't do it, I start low and it's like, uh, I sort of have a little peak and then I go right back down again. So I do spend a lot of time just, just working on my mindset and my emotional set to get myself in the, and feeling good and in the best emotional situation that I can. Yeah. So does that help you to deal with the energy vampires out there? Yes, it does. And I think energy vampires, there, there's really two things that you do. And we all know, we all know what energy vampires are. They're like the people that come around, the users, takers, victims, predators. There's, a, there's actually a couple of different kinds of energy vampires, but they're, they just don't know how to get energy from their own sources. So they they tend to like latch onto other people, especially giving empathy healer types like us, you know, and they're like, Ooh, you look really juicy today, Melissa. You know, like I'm gonna get you like I'm gonna eat you for lunch today, you know? And they they take our energy. And there's two things we need to do. One of them is we need to learn how to manage literally manage our energy fields. And I te- so I teach people simple grounding, clearing, protecting, because I'm an energy healer and I see everything through the lens of your aura, your energy field. I noticed that empaths all have this spongy porous energy field which is what allows us to be the psychic sponge. But it's a problem because we don't have strong containment. You know, we, we leak energy a lot, so we're tired often, We and we lose energy, we um, get sucked on, and we also leak energy. And so these basic energy management practices, grounding, clearing, filling, and protecting yourself every day, help, right? That gives you kind of like one leg to stand on. And the other leg to, that you need to do is once you feel strong and turn in literally inside your own energy, we have to learn how to say no. You know, we have to learn boundaries. Boundary is just a fancy word for all the different ways you can say no. That was going to be my question. Like, as empaths, you must feel like it's hard to say no, I would assume, Mm -hmm. right? So learning boundaries, whether it's personal or professional, must be hard. So hard that comes it feels really mean it feels so mean because we feel somebody's pain and suffering we get it we have big compassionate hearts and we want to help and we can help you know and and so it does take some practice to learn how to say no and to set a boundary or even feel what your no is we don't always know when to say no and yes and no or or what it is we need and want because in the moment we're like, oh, yeah, of course I'll do that for you. And then afterwards, like, what did I just do? Right. <laughs> why did I say yes to the of my life? <laughs> yeah. And so what I learned how to do in that case is I never say no in the moment, ever. Hmm. I always say, let me think about it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then I, I sit alone in a room. I do my ground clear protect. So I'm in my body and I'm grounded. And I look at my calendar and I think, when am I going to do that? 
And I think, is that on mission for me? Is that part of my purpose? I think, what am I going to have to give up doing in order to make time to do that? You know, and I, I sort of have to noodle on it for a while and feel in my body if it's a yes or a no and feel in my heart if it's a yes or a no. And then if it's a no, I've practiced, literally stood in the mirror and looked myself in the eye and practiced like 10 different ways to say no in a really, really nice way. Yeah. Because I think as empaths, we have to find a compassionate, kind way. I'm sorry. I'm so would love to help you. Like, I really, really want to support what you do. And I think it's brilliant. But in this moment, I'm just overcommitted. I don't have any room in my calendar for you right now. That and nice? I think Wasn't yeah, that nice? it, that was so nice. it is. Yeah. And I think people are getting used to that. Like I get anxiety and I think Melissa can attest to this. If, if someone, if we're out with friends or whatever, when, when going out and being with friends was a thing mm. uh, prior to 2020, if someone says, oh, let's do this, I'm always the one that's like, let me look at my calendar. Like I get stressed out thinking I have to make a decision right on the spot. Don't, don't make yeah. a decision. Just make it a policy. Never make a decision on the spot. Yeah. And just be like, I have to, I have to check my Do calendar. Something. I have yeah. to talk to my spouse. I have to like check my astrological forecast. I don't know. Like say whatever it is you want to say that that's just like, people will get used to it. And they're like, oh, well, she always has to say, you know, that's just the way she rolls. That's and, me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, honestly, it's not, it doesn't feel good for the person if you say yes when you should have said no. Yeah. It doesn't feel, think about some time in your life when somebody said yes to you and they really should have said no. Like all of a sudden there's, it's weird. There's yeah. like a strange energy between you and you're like, I don't think they really want to be doing this. And, uh, and there's, it's yucky. It's sort yeah. of like, we can always tell and it's sort of yucky. So you're really not doing anyone a favor by saying yes when you should have said no that is a, part. unless you get an energy vampire who has no conscience and then they're like answer me now they'll yeah. just keep ticking that over and have no compunction that's a lot it, of right? energy vampires though there's a lot of energy vampires and there there are the three types that i want to talk about for a minute and i'll be quick but the one type that is really the scary type and that's called the predatory energy vampire and these are like the psychopaths narcissists not extreme narcissists to the point of being psychopathic they're mm. like con people con men women they're 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 really conscious of the fact that they're gonna get you mm. and they're not doing it by accident and they're they're just really like i'm gonna get you you know um and i'm i'm sorry to say we probably have all of had a hit and run with one of these at some point in our lives you know yeah where you just are, they just are without remorse they're they're they have no conscience they don't feel bad about it they don't see themselves as bad or wrong. They sort of think you're an idiot, actually, that you fell for their con. It's true. <laughs> like, it's very like, true. Yeah. You know, if you're dumb enough to let me fool you, you deserve whatever's coming for you. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. um, it's that. And and they just will suck you dry. They'll take all your resources. They think of empaths or we become their narcissistic supply we be, or like mm. batteries, you know, and it's could be your money, your time, your attention, your credit, the gas in your car, the food in your fridge. Your t- whatever it is, they're just like, that's mine. And mm-hmm. they're no, they have no conviction about it. When you do find one of those, they can be anyone. They can be your spouse, your kid, your boss, your parent, your mother-in-law. Like, you know, they're, they're just, and there's a lot of information about these. There's a really good book that I like called The Human Magnet Syndrome, if you want to read more about it. Or you can read my book, Energy Healing for Empaths, which is really mm. where, where all this information is mm. in this book. And when you find somebody like that, there's no redeeming them. There's no. Can't, can't change they, them. They can't change them. They don't think there's anything wrong with 
who they are. They're perfect, by the way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Their problem is because you're the problem, clearly, you know? So it's just best, best to cut your losses in and, and move on. And they will replace you in five seconds flat and not even feel bad about it. <sighs> just, you know, there's, they really are like narcissist psych- psychopaths to that level. Fortunately, they're pretty rare. Yeah. You're much more likely to come across the victim vampire. Mm. And victim vampires, often they don't know they're vampire They've just learned to use whatever happened to them. And they often really have had difficult circumstances. They have health problems. They have mental health issues. They have something in their life that's really actually hard. And they just haven't learned to cope with that. Instead, what they do is they, they use it as currency kind of to get stuff out of people. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing that things happen to people like, you know, or that they have, have, have had real issues because a lot of times they really have, but they, they just haven't learned how they've learned to use it as, as a way to, to navigate in the world kind of like, well, uh, I've got this big problem and I need a lot of help and you're going to help me. And they don't, they tend to like whine and complain a lot. Um, They're the friend that calls you on the phone. They spend an hour of your time complaining about the same thing they always complain about. They never take your advice because they don't actually want to change your situation. Right. And then they're like, Oh, how are you? Oh, geez. I gotta I go. I gotta go. Bye. You know, like um, they have no time for you and your stuff and you, they feel better after talking to you and you're like, I've got to go take a nap. When you <laughs> what just hit up. me? Well, yeah. like, I've got to go lie down. <laughs> and, you know, and, um, and that, that, that's much more common in those type of energy vampires. Sometimes they know they're doing it. A lot of times they don't. So like they wake up and go, you know, how can I suck the life out of Kelly today? But some of them kind of know that they're, it's manipulation, it's guilt. Guilt is sort of the manipulation that they will use to like hook you and get what they can out of you. And then we have also a lot of times right now, situational energy vampires and situation that can happen to anybody because we all fall in hard times. Yeah. And you might have like a health problem or a crisis or job loss or pandemic with all of the above um, tied into it. And we just all sometimes have difficult times in our lives when we don't have any resources and we tend to suck on the people around us, you know, Mm. and, and that washes away with time. You get over your crisis and then hopefully you figure out how to give back into your relationships. Right. And then we also have to be careful about empath when we're sensitive empaths ourselves and we really, really let ourselves get drained. We can become an energy vampire. Yeah we can be the one that's sucking the life out of the room because we're so tired. We're so drained. If you just give and give and give and give and give and never take for yourself, eventually you're going to be an energy vampire. I was mm. just thinking, holy shit, I am an energy vampire. You can, but- you could be at times. I mean, there are times I can be too at times, you know, if I don't take care of myself. Yeah. I mean, that brings us to another question, like since empaths are super emotional, like how do we deal with ourselves so that we don't become an emotional vampire? Well, I think take self-care is the key. So mm-hmm. and that's really different for everybody. You know, like I think eat three squares a day, get a lot of sleep, you know, put your own, go to the gym, do your meditation, put your own needs to the front top of your lists, you know, mm-hmm. because Really, we should be giving from a full cup. If we're giving from an empty cup, we're always going to be in the vampire, potential yeah. vampire, you know. So we have to make sure we're full. 
and taking care of our own things. Go get your nails on. Go get a massage. Go trade energy healing sessions with people. Go sit in the woods by yourself or whatever. You know, like whatever it is you need to do. And I, I think it's really good to make a list of things that put energy back in your energy tank. Mm. And it's different for everybody. Make sure yeah. there's some play and fun on there. Make sure there's some like creativity. Creativity can also fill us. Time with family and loved ones can fill us. Looking at beauty and art and museums and listening to music can fill us. Think about 20 things you do that fill your energy tank and put it on your fridge. And the next time you go stick your head in the fridge, like, <laughs> you know, try one of those things on your list instead, you know? Yeah. Um, that, and when, if we're full all the time, and I also think it's super important to have a, a, a daily emotional practice, like we already talked about journaling, tapping, therapy, something on the daily to deal with your own emotional life. We, we really need it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfectly said. You're absolutely right. I've had a question that I wanted to ask you. It's pretty simple, but I think people listening might um, know a lot of people that could use your services. And what do you work with all age groups, like kids, adults? Not, or? not we little kids. I'll work with teenagers, you know, and, and then anyone up from there. We little kids, I work with our parents. You know, yep. um, I don't find it helpful to work with the kids so much, though, although I know people that do that. Um, but I do work with anybody. I do mostly Zoom and phone sessions these days. I do have an office in Swansea, Massachusetts that I see clients in person. But I have a lot of information and resources on my website. So I do these really cool group healings um, once a month that for people that need healing work and they're generally on a topic and they're really, really affordable. So you can go to my website and and sign up for one of those. Or I do um, group psychic readings called the Soul Salons, and they're so fun because mm. I do 10 people at a time, usually on a Friday night, and they're by, it's by Zoom mostly these days. And, and it's like a group reading, so everybody gets to say a question into the group, and I will read in front of everybody for, for you. It's a good time to do that. It's fun to do that. And then I have a lot of classes. Of, I have... Um, all kinds of classes in psychic development from beginning to intermediate to the advanced, like, so you want to be a professional psychic program um, that are, are ongoing. And I, I have a Facebook, if you're on Facebook, I have a Facebook group um, based on my book, The Art of Psychic Reiki. It's called The Art of Psychic Reiki. If you're on Facebook, join that one because I do a lot of free teaching in there. I answer questions. I do free videos every week on topics that people bring up in there. And I, I just, I like to generate content, you know, I've always got ideas and videos, teaching things and little snippets that I want to put out there. And I, I really give a lot because I think not everything has to cost a ton of money. I have a lot of free things, a lot of free resources available on my website too. That's awesome. What is your website? My website is lisacampion.com. And if you go there, actually you have a free four hour video program on how to manage your energy. If you're an empath, that's um, for for one hour classes on, nice. on, on the topics we've been talking about today. And it has in there the grounding meditations that I do, the ground clear protect meditations that I do. So that's really, that's a really good um, freebie for, for anyone that's interested in that. Nice. And we'll put everything on, you know, your books, the Facebook group, everything, your social media and the show, show notes. <laughs> so everybody will be able yeah. to find them. I think, I mean, it's, this is huge because yeah. It's I, I think a lot of people are empaths and a lot of people 
do need to learn like boundaries and mm -hmm. all of that good stuff. So I think everything we talked about today, it, you know, someone's going to get something out of, of something. Someone's going to get yeah. something out of something. You all know what I'm trying to say, yes. but there's a lot of nuggets in this, in this conversation. So I think, uh, I think it's, it's awesome. I agree. And I am a, a big fan of this Art of Psychic Reiki book, and I can't wait to get the uh, your newest one. Very excited for oh, it. Okay, honey, send me your um, send me your Justin. I'll send you one. All right, perfect. And we'll keep an eye out for your your new book coming out soon. Twenty three, twenty twenty three. As soon as I write it, <laughs> but you know, sometimes those those dates are fluid. So if it's late twenty twenty three or you know whenever it's coming out at some point, right? Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well. Thank you so much. This 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 conversation has been great. And uh, if anyone has any questions, you know, drop us an email. Go to our website. If you have questions for Lisa, go mm. to her website. Again, we're going to drop everything in the show notes for you. We have a Facebook group for the podcast where we drop all our guest freebies in there, which I know we've got one with Felisa, Business Managers Podcast Facebook group. So get on over there. You can find us at MergioEnterprises.com and on all the socials, but thank you, Lisa, for your time today. Listen, thank I you so much, ladies. It was my pleasure. I and hope uh, everyone will join me at a soul salon. Soon. I know. I love that. I yeah, love I think that. that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, tune in for the next episode. Who knows what's going to happen as we like to say, we got, I mean, I only choked once. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> you were feeling it empathic. My, it was my energy. Something was happening. I almost died during the podcast, but God bless you. you know, we got through it. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. And everybody have a great day. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, help us grow with a follow, rate, and review. Check us out online at MergioEnterprises.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Mergio Enterprises. See you next week and tell your friends.